Welcome to the Elite Level Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Elaine, and this is the podcast where we explore how elite level performers think, act, and operate. As always, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you could please like, comment, share, and subscribe, we'd really appreciate that support. And if you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. Now, as always, we've got an absolutely phenomenal guest, a bit of a throwback in terms of my past. Carmen, it's phenomenal to see you. Oh, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. Absolutely. So Carmen, for those of the people out there that don't know who you are, if you could tell us about yourself, some of your career highlights and your background in two minutes or less. Yeah, brilliant. So Carmen Osman, I have been in sales for most of my life. Started out as a bit of a hustler um, and in printing and the printing management services. So telephony, telecoms and actual printers, copiers. And did that for about 14 years and have more recently moved over into the tech space. So I'm now an account executive for Get, which is really transforming the way we manage global transportation. So it's a really exciting time and it's really been a big shift in my career and moving into more of an unknown space, but something I'm super excited about and have really refound a passion for what I do and, and trying to re-navigate how I sell and, and re, re, re changing the way, the way that I operate. So very exciting time. Absolutely. It sounds phenomenal. And there's so much to unpack with this story, Carmen, because a lot of people won't know that we used to work together. And actually, the company that we both worked at, Danwood, was my first ever real, uh, let's say, hardcore sales role, right? <laughs> Being a, a young man going out there and trying to make it happen. So I want to spend some time actually on your earlier years. I believe your sales career actually started in, in South Africa, if my LinkedIn research is, is any good. So let's maybe start there, understand more about some of those early years, how you got into that first role, and then the transition over to London. Yeah, brilliant. So as you as you rightly say, I'm from Cape Town. Originally, I was born and bred there. I moved to the UK when I was 11 with my family. And I started and I did all my schooling here. And when I was 16, my parents decided to go back. And at the time, I was just starting my A-levels and sixth form. And being the independent that I've always been, I said, well, I'm not coming with you. I want to stay here. And my parents were kind of stuck in a position where what do we do? Do we leave her or do we make her go with us against her will? And I think that's, I'm talking about that because it's kind of formed, I think, who I am or the resilience that I had to kind of deal with at such a young age but I at 16 decided I'm staying and my parents I had godparents here but I was effectively on my own I had my own place and I had to get on with my sixth form and my A-levels which I passed and then at the time decided to go back and join them so I was only 18 but went back went to back to South Africa and continued my, my further education but decided at that point to move into my career in printing, which was never really what I intended to do. I always wanted to be in sales and I always wanted to work for a big company and a bit of a blue chip. And I just, that's where I ended up moving into to this, the print space, which is, like I said, not was never intended. Wow. It's, it <laughs> says a lot that you were able to take that decision, especially at that young age. How much of that did you feel was just innate in you from a, from a young age? What was it specifically that allowed you to take that type of decision then? I think I've been reflecting on that quite a lot recently. And it's probably more of a defiance, to be honest. I've always been... 
I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to, it's always come from a, a place that I'm don't take no for an answer and I want to do what I want to do and I will make sure that I'll make it happen. And I think as, as parents, being a parent myself now and looking back at that, I think, wow, that's a huge thing to have to decide. Like I've always come from a really close family and I have a younger brother and a younger sister and they had to go, right, we're either going to almost lose her because I was like, I'm staying. I want to do this and I'm not ready to leave. And they made that choice. And But I'd probably say it stems from a defiance initially because I'm I would come across quite defiant but it it's independence as well and it's it's having that I was like right I'm gonna get on with it <laughs> yes wow it's uh it's fascinating I often talk about this chip on my shoulder type of mentality I had when I was young and maybe it comes from a different angle but those types of things really channel a lot of energy right and it allows you to sometimes run through uh, as I often like to say run through walls in a way and it sounds like you were able to do that in your own way Hey, Elite Level team, appreciate you tuning into this week's episode. I just wanted to make sure that you know about a live sales masterclass that I'm hosting on the 4th of June at a special venue in central London. So if you're an SDR or an early stage AE, we're going to be going through everything that it takes to be a best in class account executive, everything from territory planning right the way through to discovery, role plays and more. And I want to make sure that you are there. So be sure to visit www.elitelevelacademy.com. That's www.elitelevelacademy.com to make sure that you can book a call with me, schedule your ticket, and I'll see you there. So let's fast forward to that first role in printers and copiers. It's, it's no surprise that, you know, starting in that world, it, there's a big reputation out there for it being pretty hardened, right? And a very intense environment. So help us understand more about your early experience being in that type of space. Yeah, as you say, like sales environment, a real hustle, a male dominated arena. There were no, I mean, I, I, I think I've probably worked with two females in my whole career span um, in terms of selling. It's super male dominated. It's a hustle. You're on the phones. You're knocking on doors. I'm 22, just started working, never really been exposed to anything. And I'm, I'm, I'm knocking on doors every day. I'm literally phone at that, that point. We were calling people through like yellow pages and getting canvas slips, but it was just hardcore grafting and you've just getting door shut in your face, people saying no. And I think like I talk about resilience a lot, but I think that's just what kind of made me go, well, don't really take no for an answer. And I always knew I love sales. I love people. I love people. Obviously, I believe people buy from people, but it was just hardcore. <laughs> You're on the phone. I think in the mornings we used to call and in the afternoons we used to have to go and knock on doors. Yeah. And I did that for probably a year solid before I very quickly started to move through through the ranks, but wow. <laughs> it was hard work. It's, uh, I, I, I can feel it as you're describing yeah. it. I, I feel like you don't, you don't reflect on it, do you? <laughs> yes, it's almost like reliving all of those experiences mm. again. I want to get into the, you know, Carmen's mind at that time when you are facing those rejections, when times are really tough, you're looking around you, you mentioned being in a male-dominated environment. What was really driving you at that particular time in life, right? Because there's a lot of things coming at you in one moment you've spoken about the the defiance you had early in your life mm. was that in itself enough to carry you through or did you have to almost reinvent who you were to be able to survive or thrive in that type of environment yeah absolutely I think you know as a salesperson I was reading something really interesting about how 
people who don't really have a sense of what they want to do tend to fall into sales because sales, you don't really need a skill set to be in sales. But if you're good at it, you can really, you know, set yourself apart in that aspect. But I think for me, it was partly the defiance, but I just wanted to to make a success of myself. I think when I was younger, it was really about earning money and status and wanted to have a nice car and have a really nice place. And that for me was always my driver. It's shifted so much now, but it was just really my focus. And I just didn't take no for an answer. Like people, uh, if people said no to me, it was like, right, well, it's just a different angle or how am I going to, it was just a different way of them saying, well, we, you know, think of a different option. And I, got successful really early. And I don't know if it was because I was a female in such a male dominated arena that people never saw women selling what I was selling. And I think initially it, it got me into a lot more doors and it got me a lot more traction, but I started seeing results and just loved the, the winning the deals really and closing deals. I think that's what's always driven me. And wanting to be the best at what I what I did and the most successful and doing the most deals or the most numbers. That was initially my drive and probably still is. Like I always want to be the best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it, it says a ton, right? I, I think back to also being in that position and the hunger, the, the sheer drive, the, the aptitude that I had at that time was, mm. was like nothing else, right? You just wanted to get after it every single day. Mm. And we were speaking off camera about the fact that, you know, during that particular time, I think it was the best way that certainly I could have started my career because as difficult as it was and as intense as it was, I don't want to say everything becomes easy after that, but that type of conditioning meant that everything else that came after that almost felt like water off a duck's back in a way, right? And and going through the many different experiences that followed. I'm curious in your opinion, you know, the reality is a lot of people struggle to deal with rejection. They find it really difficult. And we look at the churn rates in sales. It's one of the highest out there. So why do you feel most people or a lot of people seem to find it really difficult to be able to accept those setbacks and then find a way forward? I think now, you know, we talk a lot about mental health and, and people. And I think especially as a woman, I've been very, I'm not emotional with things like that. Things like that don't seem to bother me that much. I obviously care about certain things, but you know, if someone says something to my face or I'm very much, I let it wash and I can quite easily pick myself back up because it's such a, you've hit the nail on the head. It's conditioning, right? For the future and to do what we did or even that kind of hustle every day and, and to get up and go, yeah, you have bad days and you think, well, I don't want to pick up the phone or I just really don't want to do this. But I think the success or when you start to see the benefits or, or in my case, it was commission, right? And earning really good commission that made such a big difference. And that's the hunger that got me to get up. And, but we talk about mental health or emotional. I think I've always been really good at separating you know, I just don't, things like that don't seem to bother me too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite unemotional with, you know, business is business. It's no, okay, fine. Right. How are we going to do this or a different angle or move on to the next? It's, it's never been something that's, that's bothered me too much. Yeah. No. And it's, it's really interesting when you say that, because if I was a listener, my question would then be, 
what advice could someone like Carmen give me if if I don't feel that way, right? Because a lot of the way you describe that, it almost seems like part of that innate peace in you allowed you to just get over these things. But I guess there's other people out there that maybe think sales is for them, but they're just struggling. Are there any almost actionable points where you'd say, why don't you try this or a specific way that you've thought about reframing things to help people be able to move forward and deal with the adversity because it's inevitable in this space, let's be honest. Yeah, it's it's a difficult question because obviously sales is rejection, right? You, you're going to get rejected. I think it's more so now like framing how you learn or you develop yourself as a person so that you have those tools that you can negotiate and use those skill sets to deal with that rejection and have those and deal with those objections you know from a place of education so you really know what you're dealing with and you in a position of power so we're sitting down we're negotiating but you you have the tools in your armory to put yourself in that position of power which gives you that confidence I think as a salesperson that you need because this knowledge is power right and it allows you to sit down with someone if they say no right I can object with these these comments and it's really about education and educating yourself even as a salesperson you know different tools and things that you can use and as over your career I think you just get better and better at at dealing with the objections and more importantly negotiations because that's what's going to give you that power to kind of sit down and feel confident enough to deal with that and not let it get you down because I think that's what that's that's the key it's easy to go oh that was tough I don't want to do that again I'm gonna find something else or but if you have those those tools you'll be able to pick yourself back up and get that confidence for sure. It's, it's almost like embracing that discomfort, right? You know, I often say you need to walk towards uncomfortable situations because that's where your growth zone is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it comes to successes and failures, in a way, I, I sometimes describe it as a staircase, right? And if you think of a hundred steps to get to that outcome that you want, whether it's a, a success or a failure on each step, it's ultimately still taking you a step closer to that end state that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. So I almost say don't almost obsess over whether it's a perceived failure or whether it's a big win it's just another step that's getting you closer to that end state so I think that's something else for people to think about now Carmen 14 years is a is a long time right (laughs) certainly in the printing and copying space I'm sure there's been some form of evolution I know me myself I I did it for the year and then I started moving on and getting into tech pretty quickly but you stayed in that space for a long time so natural question is why did you and what evolution did you see over that time that's a tough question because I had a lot of progression quite quickly. So I moved very quickly. So I think for me, I get bored being stagnated. And as you say, like, I did that for such a long time. That contradicts my personality or who I am. But I was fortunate enough to to move. And I ended up when I was working with you at Downward, I think in four years, I moved quite quickly into management, and then had an opportunity to be involved in a startup. And really start things all over again but almost in a sense go right back to when I was starting which at the time I thought what am I doing this is ludicrous I had already established myself as a manager I was running successful teams and I was asked to be involved in a startup (laughs) with seven of us initially and we did exactly the same thing again I remember sitting in a room in London 
now I think I was 27, 28 and phoning and starting. But again, I had the skill set to maybe do that quite quickly. And we did that for a long time until we built the business and eventually had four offices and there were 60 odd staff. And I think it was the hunger that kept me going and the passion for, for selling and people. But, and I was working with great people at the time. But then I think I did that for eight, eight years in total. But my life changed. So I've, I've got two small children. So the latter part of that was flexibility almost because I could do this job really well and really easily. And it allowed me to work part time for a period. And I think that's where the shift started coming is I went back after having my son and I was like, I've changed and I need more and I'm hungry for a new challenge. And that's what sparked kind of my next phase. But I probably then got almost bored in a sense. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I became conditioned to just doing it. And it suited my life at the time, but I was like, right, I need more. I'm ready for the next challenge. Wow. It's a, uh, it's a fascinating story. And c- congratulations on the two children, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think since the last time I saw you, it was zero and now it's two, yeah, I believe. It's been so a busy, busy period. <laughs> absolutely. So massive congratulations on that. Now, you know, you've spoken in, in many ways about this shift that you went through when you look at almost the younger Carmen who was, you know, driven and, and on all of this drive and passion and energy, then this phase where maybe your priorities changed slightly or the way you were thinking about it. And it sounds like you, you're pulling a bit more now from that Carmen from many years ago that had that drive and wanted to take things further. So be good just to hear your own thoughts on your evolution from a mental standpoint, you know, from that Carmen back then to maybe the one at the point you became a mother to where you feel you're at right now. Yeah, of course. So it's, kind of transitions into the company that I'm working with now which is really transforming the way they work or the culture and initially it was really appealing for me because obviously your do your priorities do change I want to I still want to earn really good money and I but I, I have a family I want to be able to see them I mean if I'd stayed where I was I wouldn't see my kids and I was leaving at seven and getting home after seven so for me it was surrounding myself with people that I could really learn from and a new culture in the way that the company I work with now is they're culturally different. They, you know, they give you the last Friday of every month off. So you have, but it almost drives you to work harder because I know that I can, I can put the hours in wherever I need to. So I can put my kids to bed and then I can log on in the evening. And I want to do that because I'm around people and leaders that are changing the way that things are working. I've never worked for a company like that. And I don't know if that's quite common in the tech space, but for me, it's, it's, it's a, like a revelation. I've never ever experienced that. I've worked for really old school kind of men who are just sit on the phone, do your numbers, work from eight till six. And obviously my life has changed, but now I'm just really surrounded by really interesting people and I'm learning so much. The hunger's still there. It's almost reignited the hunger for me because I'm now in a new sales. I really want to prove myself and I'm only probably five months into this new path, but I'm all about the numbers again and it's the learnings and what I'm gaining from it are really kind of giving me that drive back again, which is great. 
Yeah, it's really exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's um, it's a new chapter, isn't it? When you talk about going into tech and then taking on a new challenge, sometimes people talk about the pace, right? It's it's fast moving, ever changing, ever evolving. I'm wondering for you how much of all of the experiences being in these hardened environments, very KPI driven, and, and all of that has really played into how you've been able to start in your new role. And when you start to look at your career ahead, yeah. I certainly feel it's been an instrumental for me, but I'm really curious for you how much of that level set from the earlier years you think play is going to play a key role in this next chapter for you. I mean, it's massive. It sets your backbone, right? It's what, it's that cadence. It's, it's what sets you apart from people or I'd say people who are, who are doing well. It's, it's having that structure. It's making sure like, it doesn't matter what kind of role you're in. For me, I know the numbers. I know what I need to do. Got that structure. And it's almost just picking up right. And I've learned really quickly in the last few months that it almost doesn't matter what kind of role it is. It could be anything. I've moved into tech, yes, but it could be any kind of sales role, but that structure's there. I know my numbers and I've just very quickly been able to, to get. And luckily, I've got that discipline. So I know now what needs to be done and I can do that quite quickly. So it's been instrumental, as you say, and I'm really enjoying and I'm seeing results really quickly because of that, because I know what to do and how to do it to get results quite quickly. Absolutely. And the fundamentals don't really change, right? When you when you look at the core things that are going to be able to drive results and get you to that great position, I often say there's never really going to be a brand new magic pill or new stage of the sales process that's going to revolutionize everything, mm. right? It's about mastering the fundamentals and then optimizing in many different areas to be able to drive up that, you know, growth in performance. So a lot of what you're saying resonates a ton. Now, Carmen, you've gone from mentioning that you were running teams and 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 being a, a sales leader right earlier in your career. You've now made that transition where, as I understand it, you're an individual contributor at this stage. So just curious to know more about what that experience has been like, you know, going from a leadership role, you know, into an individual contributor role, what that experience has been like overall. And then when you look ahead, whether, you know, what kind of path you now see for yourself in that regard? Yeah, well, it's, it's a good question because... In my mind, I was like, I want to get back into management. I really want to grow. And that was a big focal point for me when looking at changing careers that I needed to be with a company that had that kind of growth path for me, which is also why I chose the company I'm working with now because they're global. They are growing substantially. We're looking to IPO. Like there's lots of really exciting things happening within the business, but it's actually given me a window to learn because I needed that progress. So although that the pathway is there, I'm taking the opportunity now in the next year to really learn the industry and, and learn the tech space because it is a, a vast world that I have no experience in. So although the, the fundamentals and the job, it's a completely new environment for me. So I'm using the time now to really get a good understanding of the industry. But that hunger for leadership has not gone away. I really want to, you know, I don't want to, I'm getting older now and I really want to work with good leaders and I really want to challenge myself and learn from the best. And it's exposed me to so much more by changing industries as well. Um, but I feel like I'm in a really good place to, to not only be an individual contributor and now and, and earn good money, but 
I am exposed and I'm working with people that will really help change and shape my career moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I got to observe you in action as, you know, your career developed. You has always been a, a great support. So I was always humbled and grateful for that. But, you know, part of, of course, being a, an effective leader is that development of talent, right? And being able to take talent from where they are to, to drive in fantastic results. So I'd love to get your thoughts around, you know, getting the best out of talent. And also, again, when we look at the, the way things maybe used to be compared to now, that sense of pace, urgency, some of the tools available, you spoke about leveraging the yellow pages, whereas now we've got all of these fun sales engagement tools. So through all of that, the question is really, what things do you really focus on and prioritize when you think about developing talent, especially in this era that we find ourselves in now? I think it goes back to flexibility as well, right? So when I started working, it was just numbers, numbers. You have to be in the office. You have to be there at eight o'clock. You have to leave when, when your boss leaves and, and the world is changing, especially as a woman with a young family. You do want that sense of flexibility. So I was reading something really interesting. Uh, managers set goals and objectives and leaders lead people and they work with people to make sure that your team is almost better than you. You want to employ people that are better than you, that you can learn from, that can can help you grow and, and, and grow as an organization. And I think by having that flexibility, you're going to get the most from people. The world is changing. Everyone's working on a hybrid level. And it's really become apparent to me in the last few months because I was never exposed to that. But it's working with those people and making sure that you can get the maximum results from them by, you know, making sure that they're enjoying their job. And you want to get up, you want to love what you do. And work shouldn't feel like work if you're enjoying what you're doing. And I think that's, as a leader, as working with good leaders, I've experienced that on the other side now where I want to do the best. I want to work as I work harder than I would. I log on in the evenings because I love what I'm doing and I want to. And that's what's driving my success forward. And that's what I would expect to do as a leader as well. Yeah, it's very, uh, very powerful. And it's funny because anyone who knows me knows I'm a massive combat sports fan. So I always talk about an analogies to do with that. And, you know, Tyson Fury just had a, a great fight very recently. And, you know, he said he's retiring now. And, you know, he didn't specifically say he's fallen out of love with the sport. But I think there was certain parts thematically in what he was saying was that he's reached a certain height, he's achieved a lot of the things that he wanted to. Now it's time to just step back, spend time with his family, and maybe a little bit of that love has gone away. So with you, Carmen, I'm always quite fascinated about how that love and that kind of burning ember is still as strong as it is, because I think many people that maybe would have had the amount of tenure that you've had, and especially doing 14 years specifically in the print game, might have started saying, you know what? maybe now's time that I want to just ease off the gas a little bit or take on a role that's a bit more status quo. What is it in you that means that you still love this and you still want to run at this at such a pace? I'm, I'm smiling because it's the hustle, right? I think a salesperson's a salesperson. For me, it's about closing deals and winning business. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. I think that's just fundamentally who I am. I have now got small children. I want to set an example. I want to show them that you can work really hard. You can put yourself out there. You can get what you want. But I did lose it in answer to your question. I lost it massively towards the end of my career. I don't know, obviously stepping away and, and having the kids, but 
I was starting to feel, I'm not learning, I'm not growing as a person, I'm not getting that development, I was just ticking boxes and I got to a point where I was like, right now, I need, I feel like I need to grow more and I need more as an individual. I did a lot of work with, started working with coaches and like development and personal development. And I was like, I need, I need more than I'm getting now. And that's almost in a way reignited my passion for this. The passion never went, but I think by changing careers and moving into a new space, I'm getting that development, that personal development that I was craving, but it's also reignited the passion for sales. And with that, obviously everything else comes, but it's an exciting time for me to see what the future holds, to be honest. Absolutely. And, you know, a <laughs> big part of why I love to do the podcast face to face is because you can see reactions, you can feel it. And I, I can really feel the passion coming from you, right? I can <laughs> feel that, you know, you, you're, you're really happy about the place you're in and the things that you're doing right now. So I think that says a ton. If you had that opportunity to go back and speak to the Carmen that was 16 and have that conversation with all of the wisdom that you have now and all of the career experiences that you've had now, what would you really be saying to that Carmen about how you'd go and navigate your career, how you'd go about making decisions? Would you write the book in exactly the same way or would you write a few chapters differently? I think my early parts, definitely not. Like, just keep going for it. Don't take no and just, I was all about, focus and head down and just proving myself really I think especially as a woman in the industry it was but initially I don't think people take you very took me very seriously and I was just like I'm gonna get this I want to I want to make sure that I'm proving myself and I can do this job and I can do this job better than all the men in the room and it was really important to me I think early years I was just going for it and like I said I, I developed really quickly I think towards the latter I stagnated I became comfortable and that's where I should have been braver and I should have just taken a leap because now I'm kicking myself going, why did I not do that? Ages ago, everything happens for a reason and it served me a purpose and it, it served me well while I was having the children, but I'm kicking myself now. Not that I regret anything, but I think I would have just said, be brave, take the jump. You know, you've got that option and you're not going to regret it. What's the worst that can happen, right? It's like with sales. What's the worst that can happen? They say, no, you move on. So I'd probably say, just be a bit braver. Go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, it's a great mentality to have. And as you say, these are all experiences and they've ultimately got you to the point where you've now been able to step into something that it maybe seems like this was the right time for you. So everyone's journeys and the way that they navigate and operate are different, but it's been your journey and it's been the thing that's worked out really well for you. There's a couple of other areas I'd want to touch on before we start to, to get close to rounding off, but resilience is, is been thematic throughout this entire episode. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to you, when you think about resilience either being a, a default or something that can be built, just want to get your perspective on, do you feel that resilience is something that can actually be built in someone? And if so, how can they go about building resilience? The answer would be yes, because I think for me, from such a young age, I was almost forced to be independent and be resilient. And I had to pick myself up and there was no one around to to help or I had to just make sure that I was going to succeed. I was on my literally on my own. Obviously, my parents had had moved. So for me, that was built in at a really young age. But I think it comes back to confidence and having that that knowledge that power that's going to give you that 
resilience to be able to stand up for yourself and for any setbacks that you're especially in a sales environment it goes back to what I was saying earlier if you've got that that confidence or that belief in what you're doing and those goals right you set those goals for yourself and you want to make sure and it's it's how important those things are to you because that's what's going to build your resilience and it's what's you know what's important to you and my journey and what mattered to me especially like I said as a young person was status it was money it was all about making sure I could get that but that's not important to a lot of people and it's setting those goals because once you've set those sites for yourself nothing's going to stop you and that's what's going to build your resilience and that's what's going to push you forward and that's what's going to make you when someone says no you're going to get back up dust yourself off and you're going to keep pushing so I think yes it definitely is built but it's down to you as a person and how how much you want things really Absolutely. Just uh, taking it all in right now. I feel unstoppable. So uh, appreciate you instilling that in me. Carmen, just to round off on the last question here, if you've watched any episodes, then you'll know what's coming. But it's just to say, if you were speaking to any person out there right now that wanted to go from good to elite level in their career, what would your best piece of advice be to that person? I think I probably just touched on that, right? You know, set your goals and decide what's important for you. And Don't be scared to just take that jump and be brave because what's the worst that can happen? You start where you were before, you you lose nothing. So I think it's be brave, be resilient and push yourself forward as best as you can. And what a wonderful way to round <laughs> off. I feel like I just had a reunion oh. live on uh, on air here. So um, Carmen, thank you so much for coming down. There's some great wisdom in that. And as I say, it was great to relive uh, some experiences from 10 years or so ago. So, so thanks again for coming down. To anyone that listened or watched that, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Again, if you were watching it on YouTube, please be sure to like, comment, share and subscribe. And if you're listening on any of the podcasting platforms, please make sure you give us that five-star review. Really appreciate you tuning in and we'll see you on the next one.